When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. you like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bat crazy. <laughs> You're the pop- Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! Hello, and welcome to the Sup Daily Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And this up podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going on in the news brought to you by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Uh, There's so much news today. It's insane. I was doing this outline and then I was like, Flynn, Barr, Stone, what are we doing? And then I was like, I'm not including any of those guys. I don't want to talk about them today. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like every day. I think the reason why we've lived through like five decades um, since March is because like every day is like enough news to make you basically feel like, wow, like we've, we've basically done all of the stuff. Like the world is just doing so much stuff. You're like, okay, I guess we're on an accelerated timeline then. Yeah. It used to be so quiet. You'd have like one big news story a day and then you'd be like, imagine that. Imagine having like one big news story a day. It's crazy. I know. I can't oh. believe it. I've, I've recently been letting myself sort of think about what it might feel like if we have, if we elect a different president in November and it's an incredibly overwhelming feeling. Like I just want to cry with relief. Yeah. Yeah. Because then like at least things wouldn't be on fire all the time. Also, I, the, they would the, be simmering, but elect a different Senate and House and, 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 because otherwise yeah. the fire is going to continue happening. It's going to continue eating things. Uh, yeah. Mitch McConnell has the match and he's ready Mitch, to throw Mitch it. Mitch McConnell, yeah. He's got a flamethrower. <laughs> Speaking of fire and fireworks, I mean, if you listen to any Betches podcast, you've heard about the fireworks. We've been ranting about it. Uh, you guys heard Sam and Elise discuss it yesterday. Kay, Sarah, and I talked about it on another Betches podcast uh, at Betches called Defund the Fireworks. If you want to look for that episode, if for some reason you want to keep hearing about this. Um, Caitlin, have you have you experienced the fireworks? Yes. Yes. I, I live in Crown Heights, so there have been a lot of fireworks. Um, and initially, it was kind of like, and initially, like, right when the protests were beginning, it felt more of like sporadic and, and more of a uh, celebratory, I guess, feeling. And then like now it's just, it's just kind of like, why is it still happening? Why are, why are we still, still dealing with so many fireworks? And they like continue every night. Now I admit to being able to sleep just through about anything. I once, nice. uh, I once did a commute from New York to DC on a daily basis by bus. <laughs> <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> and, 
I did that for oh like five God. weeks. Um, that's so a wild. That's a critical part of your biography. How have I not heard that? The bus was my my sleep. That was when yeah. I slept. So <laughs> I assure you, I can sleep through just about anything. But I totally understand a lot of people who have been like, well, I really can't sleep through uh, fireworks displays um, every night. And also, uh, obviously, I grew up here in New York, and usually when you hear giant popping sounds, uh, that means get down and away from windows, and not, um, hey, cool, yes, <laughs> up on the roof, you sparkled. Like, no, 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 right. no, 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 no. <laughs> so, I know there are a lot of people who lived through gun trauma who are not super excited about the, the sounds of fireworks going off on a regular basis. Yeah. Rough, rough, rough. Yeah, and apparently um, a couple nights ago, they a bunch of cars waited outside Bill de Blasio's house at midnight and just honked their horns all night. <laughs> like, please do yeah. something. Oh, yeah. And it was and basically they, they showed up to just like basically protest the fact that Bill de Blasio is not doing anything. Although, like, everyone, if that's the case, we should all pick a number and get in line for the amount <laughs> of nothing that Bill de Blasio is doing at any given moment. Yeah. Um, can't believe that guy ran for president. I just want to I talk that out. Like it. he really thought, like, wow, people would love for me to run this country. And New Yorkers are like, we don't want you running our city. Like you can stop right now. Um, right. So he he's going to be putting together a task force um, in response to all of those protests and I guess losing some sleep. Um, that he would he's putting a task force to crack down on illegal fireworks. Amber says that the task force would go after fireworks from the original source. Um, and it's mostly going to be like law enforcement um, that he's put on this team. Which Great. is suboptimal. Um, <laughs> because a lot of people feel like the police are aggravating this um, and, and not really helping and deliberately in some ways allowing it the disruption to continue so they could prove how useful they are. Um, yeah, there was also a quote in the New York Times where they literally said they didn't want to go help because they were stressed and they were scared if they went to report uh, to fireworks calls, they would uh, be accused of police violence. It's like, I think you have to do police violence to be accused of police violence. I don't know if you're suggesting you can't go anywhere without being violent. Yeah, yeah. Well, the... Police have done this multiple times across New York City's history, where it's like a few years ago, 2014, they did a slowdown. I think they did it again in 2016. They really love just like being like, hey, you guys can't live without us. And then like crimes go down and we're all like, actually, we're cool. We're fine. So they there's there's a certain sense of, yeah, the, the police like uh, extorting the population for more police stuff. Fun. Um, but... In terms of fireworks, uh, city's public advocate, Jumani Williams, who is uh, at the moment, I think, the only black citywide leader, uh, elected leader, um, said that this is a great moment to show how we can chart a new future for law enforcement. So he was talking about that. Ah, no, don't yeah. feel like this is the thing. That we really need cops on. Um, but yeah. hey, um, it could be a thing. Um, so, um, and, and obviously I'm mirroring the concerns a lot of people have, um, about, uh, 
police officers interrogating fireworks when it feels like, um, especially because fireworks sound like gunshots, I can see now the excuse for lots of, unfortunately, teenage black children being attacked because police officers were in fear for their lives, which just Mm -hmm. feels like at some point we're going to end up with another unfortunate incident where, you know, you're going to see a a young kid um, who's doing young, stupid kid things. Because, I mean, the amount of times I've been told by, like, white suburbanites that they put fireworks in someone's mailbox or some shit, like, the frequency with which I've heard that just makes me feel like this is just teenage behavior. People like blowing shit up when they're between the ages of 14 and 19. Go figure. Um, yeah. the, the, it's going to cost a bunch of kids their lives, and I worry about that tremendously. I feel like I shouldn't have to when we just want to yeah. sleep. We just want to sleep through the night. Shouldn't, it shouldn't be like, oh, maybe they're just going to kill the person who's doing it. Right. But... I mean, hopefully, hopefully this, there's been some learning from our right. police. Right, <laughs> I know. It's like, for better or for worse, whenever any politician says that they're going to coordinate a task force, I'm like, that is meaningless. So hopefully in this situation, it's, that's for better and it means less, fewer people get hurt. I, I mean, I, I was reading that like, a lot of people say that these fireworks usually ramp, normally they're very common in the summer and a lot of times in the ramp up to July 4th, but now I feel like now we're actually in that ramp up. So I feel like it won't be until July 4th when things when things calm down. But looks like de Blasio is on it. Yeah. Oh, also Macy's is going to get to run fireworks, the normal fireworks display. And apparently they'll have more freedom to do more fireworking before then. Such a bizarre. Which is, which is what we've all been secretly asking <laughs> for is more loud popping sounds over our heads for <laughs> what i want is actually for corporations to put off the fireworks not teenagers well yeah at least at least i know it will be properly done but at the same time it's also going to be like i i worry about people gathering of course because yeah. we just gotten shit down and like one of the key aspects is like not encouraging people to gather when right, you can right yeah, um, and the stuff with the fireworks is more like, I mean, there are some safety concerns. Some some people have really gotten hurt, but it's like, there's going to be noisy whether you have Macy's doing it or kids on the street doing it. So I don't know why he thought, well, here's another here's another fireworks show was going to make a difference. <laughs> more fireworks. I'll solve the fireworks by making more fireworks. Okay. Right. I'll raise you fireworks with fireworks. <laughs> Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. 
A gifting moment is always just around the corner. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. So also yesterday, an officer involved in Breonna Taylor's death was finally fired. I believe this one, they're all on administrative leave, um, but there had been some specific questions about him. The Louisville Metro PD fire detective Brett Hankinson for violating procedure by showing extreme indifference to the value of human life because he obviously sprayed gunfire into Brianna Taylor's home when she was sleeping after he and two officers just broke through her door. This report also said that uh, this man was so wanton with his shooting that he very likely could have also murdered her neighbors. Uh, He sprayed gunfire into their home too, and bullets were found in their patio. They just got lucky. Um, The two other officers involved remain on administrative leave. Um, but we also learned that this particular officer, Brett Hankinson, just cancel Brett's. No more Brett's. I'm done with them. Uh, had was disciplined in January 2019 for reckless conduct that injured an innocent person. And there's, if that had been properly adjudicated, or if 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 police did their jobs correctly at all and oversight worked at all, then he wouldn't have been allowed to even be at Brianna Taylor's house that night. That's a 100% fact. Um, so obviously two other officers that are just on leave, they haven't been fired. Um, charges have not been brought against anybody. I think the investigation is still ongoing, but I don't know how much faith people are going to have in it at this point. But people definitely want more and demand more, especially given like the details that they're admitting to that he, they all just had no regard for what they were doing. Um, the report said that he nobody could see inside, like you wouldn't have known if you were being threatened or not. Um, yeah, yeah just basically as bad as we thought is as bad as we're looking for a person who's already in custody, who lived miles away from perhaps like there's absolutely zero reason that this should have happened at all. It's not even a case of mistaken identity. It feels very much like a Tatiana Jefferson where Cops are just being reckless and deciding that black people are fundamentally a threat to them. Battering down her door with a battering ram is just, I mean, no knock. The the entire concept, there's no warning. 
her boyfriend, who's a legal gun user, took out his piece thinking that he was being assault- broken it, and he was. The truth he is, was. Like, we have had this kind of behavior from police that is so obviously reckless, dangerous, inappropriate, and doesn't actually solve the problems that they insist need to be solved. They act in many ways like criminals and then use that as a defense of their own actions. Right, exactly. The process is is completely corrupt. And like you were saying, like this this type of thing happens all the time. These types of raids that are based on no evidence because they don't have anything better to do. No, and I was talking to somebody, um, somebody at Beth just pointed out to me, and I've been trying to like heed this, that when you say something like no knock warrant, it, it doesn't really get across how serious it was because it sounds like it's just like your parents walked in. Like, so I've been trying whenever we refer to this, like, no, they sprayed gunfire into her home after knocking her door down with a battering ram. Yeah. Like, that's what a no knock warrant is. And with the Tatiana Jefferson, she, they were literally there to check on her. The neighbor was worried. Yeah. And she too was a legal gun user and didn't understand why people were out in her. I mean, especially as we're talking about it, it's just like the people on Twitter who are like, well, black on black crime, but then you are so offended when somebody dares to prepare to defend themselves when they hear their doors being banged down. There's always, well, fundamentally, when you get arguments like that, that's just an excuse to explain why this person, it was okay to kill this person. That's always where that argument comes from. Um, and and it's kind of, I know we've been doing a lot of interrogation and I, I want that to continue. But it, there, one of the big things has to be the amount of excuses that are given for why it's okay to treat black people in ways that we do not treat white citizens and the ways in which we diminish, ignore, and even in some ways attack, actively attack black citizenship. Which is so perfect because it brings us right back to Kentucky and right back to voting rights, um, which black people had attacked for a very long time, all the way back from Reconstruction. They've been trying to keep us from voting. In fact, uh, tossing just historically out there, uh, almost all the black representatives in the federal government were from Reconstruction before a black senator was elected in Massachusetts. So, like, literally the entire span, there was, all of it was because of the right to vote back uh, in the 1860s, 1870s. And then that was abruptly cut off for that reason. So when you think about this, it's like you have to think all the way back to the level of voting power that Black Americans have had and could have had on this country for over a century. Um, And the ways in which we, again, continue to make excuses for why Black people are somehow not worthy of citizenship in this country. Um, In Kentucky yesterday, they shut down like, a huge, huge chunk of, like, more than 90%, right, of the, 95. the polling places, 95% of the polling places in Kentucky were shut down, um, presumably because of coronavirus, although they've been doing significantly better than their neighbor, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they left one location for, for Louisville. I just want to be clear that Louisville is a city. A, yeah. c- a city. Now, I'm like from city. New York, so, like, city just means, like, oh, okay, that's, like, my neighborhood. But I I get, like, these are huge places. Like, if I had only one polling location, like, I would have been flipping out. I went to my polling location yesterday, and it was 
busy, but it was, I waited for 10, I, my total voting was 15 minutes. That's 15 crazy. minutes to walk out of my That's apartment, well. go around the corner, come back to my apartment. Yeah. And this county, Jefferson County, is like a very, like, it's not just that there's one polling location for the amount of people, it's that it's an entire county. You have to drive or take the bus or take like a lot of time out of your day. Because um, yesterday as, so Monday that people were raising a lot of concerns about this, oh my God, they've slashed 95% of the polling locations. And I was hearing a lot of like, no, 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 don't worry, Kentucky, like people were literally saying like, Kentucky has a democratic governor, it's okay. no. No, that just what? That doesn't that just magically makes everything better? No. And people are like, "No, this one polling location like it's a it's an expo center. It's really really big. It'll definitely fit everybody." Um that doesn't seem to be what happened. Um it seems like there were lots of long lines, some issues, um even though the state was like trying to assure everybody. So in Fayette County, there was also one vo voting location for another really sizable First, I think between Fayette and Jefferson County made up 60% of Kentucky's black population. People mm -hmm. had to wait 90 minutes outside to vote. Um, and the county clerk admitted that turnout was higher than expected, which is like, cool, that's good. We, we like that. But their entire defense Monday, when people were, were really getting concerned about this, was, no, no, we're prepared. We anticipated everything correctly. It's going to be fine. And he admitted, the county clerk, no, we didn't. And voters said that there were plenty of voting booths. Like, sure, it's fine if you make an expo center and you fill it with voting booths. The problem was there weren't enough check-in stations. So there was huge lines and people had to wait 90 minutes in the Kentucky heat. Um, because if you can only have so many check-in stations, and that's, I assume, related to the virus is that people didn't feel safe going. It's like, it doesn't matter if you have 100 voting booths, if you can only process a certain amount of people at the time. Um, so because of an increase in absentee voting, we're also not going to go the results from yesterday's primary until next week. Uh, Amy McGrath is leading by about eight points. Um, Fayette and Jefferson County, they actually are giving themselves until June 30th to count the votes. I don't know why they gave themselves three extra days to count the votes, but didn't give people longer to send them. I clearly am like have some anxiety about like how to ethically talk about voter suppression when the race is so close. Like I said, it was on Monday when people were like, oh no, I don't know why it took so long. I think it's on us as journalists and activists who raise awareness. Like I should have known about this before Monday, but I was like, is it, it does raising the specter of voter suppression potentially suppress people from coming out? Like, yes, people who are not healthy enough to wait in the sun for 90 minutes probably did maybe chose to stay home after hearing what the conditions might be, or maybe they were more like, because people were raising awareness, were those people actually more likely to get an absentee ballot and send it successfully rather than waiting in line and then leaving? Like, I don't know. What do you think? Like, what's the, what's the ethical way to raise these concerns and raise the alarm without dampening turnout? Or is that not really a factor in how we should talk about it? So, like, you don't want to make people feel like their vote's not going to matter. I think that one of the, the key ways to discuss uh, voter the uh, voter suppression um, is to talk actually about how important your vote is and how much is being delayed and stopped. So that way it gives you a real sense that your vote really does matter. And I always like to say that, like, if your vote didn't matter, then they wouldn't be trying to stop you from voting. Um, and I think that that really establishes a huge chunk of 
the issue um, around around uh, voter suppression because when we when we get into it, it's really about the system. Like when we talk about systemic racism, I want to talk about like it's people think of it as like huge big thing that you like can't really see or, or understand but like making decisions to, that make it very difficult for black people to express their their wants i mean that's what voting is voting is an expression of empowerment to empower who you want as your leader and in order for that to be fair it needs to be as easy as possible for citizens to participate in the system and we have had a very long history uh, of not doing that, of making it very difficult for Black people to participate in electoral systems, for them to have representatives who meet their needs, for them to be able to hold representatives accountable, because that's the other thing too, right? You know, you get pulled back as an elected official, you lose your job, you all of that other stuff, um, when you actively dismiss your own voters if there are enough of those people as part of the demographic but what you do is you pack them into a district where maybe they're not accountable or you keep them from voting or you organize uh long polling lines which is extremely difficult on people i want to point out again this is where the system comes in right it's not just that there are long lines at polling places it's that there are people who cannot afford the time you know we have set up a world in which time is it has to be has to be productive in some way um, because well, a lot of people cannot survive without giving up as much time as they have. They have to, you know, that that hour is worth fifteen dollars, and that fifteen dollars is the difference between them being able to get gas the next day and them not. Or it functions or, as a poll tax in that way. Effectively, yes. You know, if you're talking about someone who's a nurse, someone who is a manual laborer, someone who's a short order cook, some, I mean, these are people who all have to get to work as soon as possible. They're not going to be given space and time to like stop, vote, blah, blah, blah. So like making sure that polling is available, making sure that it's easy to do. A lot of people come from the assumption of like, oh, well, I'm a um, middle class intellectual worker. So it can't be that difficult to vote. Like, yeah, it gets a lot more difficult when you only have so much time in your day. And a lot of people are coming out to vote for the first time. Turnout was up, which means that you've got people participating who previously hadn't thought it wasn't that important. I think that really sets a tone, but it, it really also lets us know how important it is to make the system as accessible as possible. And so we should be like, what's the ideal world? What, what would it look like for everyone to participate in voting? And start from that place, which is like, how do we build a system that accommodates as literally everyone voting versus the one that we have, which is like, oh, we're going to assume people aren't going to show up. Like, you should prep for the maximum number of people to show up to vote. And if you do, if you make it that easy, I'm pretty sure you'll find more people will vote. Yeah, yeah. They did like the the reverse Trump event planning strategy where they way underestimated how many people would show up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's actually a very clarifying answer to my to my anxious question is that raising the alarm about these things is not just about trying to change what happens on that Tuesday in June. It's about like, oh shit, I didn't know that was an issue if you didn't and then pushing or anticipating 
this being an issue again and again, like before November, like maybe if you were new to this topic and new to how race is involved and yesterday you were like, oh my God, I had no idea stuff like this happens. Even if we couldn't find a solution for Tuesday, hopefully it's like on more people's radar. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. But speaking of like the time is money type thing. Yesterday there was, did you see this like kind of viral tweet going around of a guy who was trying to register to vote in Georgia and on the mobile website to register, you had to swipe through every single street name in Georgia. And a lot of people were replying to that tweet. I assume like middle-class intellectual workers, like, no, just use it on desktop. Like then it's easier. And it's like, we are, we literally just learned about how terrible this pandemic has been on lower income students who don't have access to laptops and like the nightmares they've had to go through doing their work on their phone. We've just been over this. Like that's not the solution. The solution is not no, just look on your laptop. That's insane. Yeah. 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 So like it, it really does come down like resources, right? And like the assumption of like what resources are available, et cetera, et cetera. Like I had to help my parents both apply for absentee ballots. Um, and my my dad, who has literally been involved in community activism from before I was born, at a moment where he asked me a question being like, wait, what exactly do I put on this ballot? So like that that is what we're talking about here. He's he's a full-blown white collar worker who's involved in political activism for decades. And he had a moment where he's like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> and that that is how complex these systems are. Um, so there's a lot of assumptions there. 
Right. Um, and if you have but, one reason not to want to vote or it like, if you are not personally invested, there's just so many people that are just like, Oh, I don't feel like looking for my street. Yeah. But yeah. Like it's the, it's yeah, it's the people who it really does matter to who are going to have to spend the time scrolling through every street in Georgia to exercise their right to vote. Oh, it's, it's nightmarish. And the more online the systems become like, yeah, there's certain ease of use, but like, obviously Georgia is famous. I, can, I mean, we keep naming Southern states with large black populations. I keep just quietly kind of like talking to myself being like, this is how it's always been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mildly insane being like, is this new? It's not new. It's been here the whole time. Yeah. Um, but you, you talk about Georgia, like legitimately, we just watched their gubernatorial election get completely screwed by the guy who ended up winning it. It was the secretary of state who was in charge of organizing voting. And he took advantage of that to make sure that it was very hard for his opponent to rally her voters. It is just so frustrating, you know, because we had two years to kind of pay more attention. And of course, the people who were in charge of paying attention and enforcing those laws at a federal level didn't give a damn because they were excited to suppress votes. This is what's coming in November. So we all have to be like super prepped and try to build as many systems as possible to get people accommodated for voting. Mm -hmm. um, but the downside is of all the mail-in ballots is that we don't get results right away. Now, I'm not necessarily upset about that because I think like we probably could live without with less horse race. Big fan of removing the bizarre like, and now we have a winner. Yeah, right. Aspect of politics, which is creepy and overwhelming to me. Um, but but I don't know. Like yeah, like I mean, it's nice to be, to know who your representative is. <laughs> like the day you vote, right? Yeah, but I've also always wondered if it was overstated or understating how much it can like affect turnout if you start reading exit polls at like 6 p.m. and some places are open for a while and that means people don't. That idea has always been very disturbing to me, but I, I've never actually looked into how much it impacts turnout. But it seems like you would alleviate that if you're just like, yo, chill, none of us are going to find out for a couple days. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be it would be great. And uh, in New York City, I know that you had to have yours postmarked by the day before. Mm -hmm. um, I actually applied for an absentee ballot and did not get it sent out in time, which is why I had to go. left it in my house and went and voted in person. Um, but I just want to do give props to New York for making it, again, 15 minutes from like walking out my door. Yeah. No photo ID necessary. I went in, matched my signature. It was good. It's on an iPad now. That was nice. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I would fancy pulling in place. Yeah. Um, and then I, I fed my ballot in and it, it was it was all good. Yeah, but I um, a friend of mine, she listens to the podcast, so I'm going to say her name. My friend Alexa works at a poll and she was noticing a lot of people complaining about just various things throughout the day that weren't super significant. And she put on her Instagram story, she was like, reminder, if you're not happy with how the polls were run, you can do it. Swipe up to apply. Very easy. It's a full day. If you're young and able-bodied and you thought that the old people were too slow, come on out. And I yep. thought that, yes. My sister trained as a poll worker for a whole moment and she, she did one primary and she was like, it is brutal. You have to be up at like 5 a.m. You guys. It's a long day. Stay there until like 11 p.m. You don't get to leave. But that's a 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. day. Please yep. be nice to old people who do it. Um, exactly. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like, that, that's actually like, like just 
like this system, we don't interact with it very often. A lot of us don't interact with it very often. It's important for us to keep in mind that like this is the the engine of democracy. You know, voting is is the engine. That doesn't mean that's the beginning and end, right? Like an engine without a car is pretty freaking useless. You still need all the other pieces in order for it to do its job, but an engine is still really freaking important. You can have the rest of the car and no engine, you're not going anywhere. You know? So, oh, yeah. so treat it with, like, we, we need to understand that just because we're not always thinking about how our engine is running doesn't mean that it's not always fueling everything that we do. That's how democracy is. So we do need to take care of it, do oil changes, et cetera, et cetera. You know? I feel like in this analogy, America is like the burning car- carcass on the street. <laughs> <laughs> or it could Mad be. Max. <laughs> yes. we're, we're, these are, this is like a Mad Max car. We're just I, am, I am very regretfully haven't seen Mad Max, but I was going to do a meme about it yesterday, but I had to ask my boyfriend first because I was like, Mike, was Furioso a cop? <laughs> and he was like, no, no it's fine. I didn't know. I was so nervous. I was like, what if I make a meme about a, a glorifying meme about a cop? That would be so bad. <laughs> okay, well... Yeah, you I'll watch it tonight. Watch Mad Max Fury Road when you get the chance because it is a feminist masterpiece. Yeah. But <laughs> also, Furious is not, not a cop. cop and will <laughs> never be a cop. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> Until the return of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.